The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warmer from the Evo, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas. Jessica Seeps with myself, Greg Eats and now part of the Visa Family and Podcast. We've got a two segment show today because just didn't mind up seeing a lot of news announcing college basketball on Tuesday, but with that said, we did wind up having a great chat with Jim Root of the Three Man Weave. He does an absolutely incredible job taking a look at the game of college basketball. Used to be out here in lovely Las Vegas, now is back in the Midwest, holding it down in the great city of Chicago. We're going to be taking a look at some of the coaching changes that we've seen this offseason with the SEC, sort of the hierarchy of some of these coaching moves as well, which teams should be able to compete right away out there in the SEC. And on top of that, we're going to look at some of the transfer moves that do seem to make sense and we always love to talk about the good here in the offseason. Oh, Transfer X, such a great addition for insert your team here. We're going to talk about some of the schools that made transfer moves that don't seem to make any sense whatsoever because I do think that along with being able to find teams to bet on, you want to try to find teams that might be worth fading a little bit. So we're going to be talking about that. Also, how Imani Bates winds fitting in with Eastern Michigan as well. So we're going to have a lot to dive into in the second segment with our good friend Jim. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting any Twitter questions in today, but we are also giving you guys some bonus content this week on VSIN as I'll be hosting the look ahead. This is going to be, if you're out here on the West Coast, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're out there on the East Coast, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because it's technically 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern Time. Out here on the West Coast, it's 10 to 1, so pretty much bleeds into two days. So for those of you guys getting set for the upcoming football season, I got you guys covered there. A little bit of baseball as well, but we've got you covered with some great college basketball chatter next with our good friend Jim Root of the Three Man Weave right here on Coast Coast Seats with myself, Craig Eves Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With myself, Greg Spears, and now part of the Veasan family and podcast. It is always a pleasure whenever we get one of the gentlemen of the three man weave on the show. And today, that would be Jim Rude who is joining me. He is a man that, much like myself, was born and raised in the great state of Wisconsin and now finds himself in the great state of Illinois as he's also doing a great job holding it down over there at the field of 68. Does a great job taking a look at college basketball all 12 months out of the year. A proud Missouri alum and a man that you're able to find on Twitter at Second Chance Points as the number two ND and then Chance Points all together. And Jim, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. It is absolutely a pleasure, Greg. I, I can't believe that you went to Hawaii and dared to even relax a little bit in your life. That is that is unheard of for Mr. Hoops Peterson, but we're you know, we're glad you're still grinding. I even did a MIAC preview while I was in Hawaii, so Work was still getting done there, and you know what? That is coast-to-coast hoops right there. Hawaii to the MIAC, that's as good as it gets. Yes, because the MIAC <laughs> is about a six-hour time differential with a lot of those schools <laughs> in terms of Hawaii. So that is very solid right there. And you know what else is very solid? I mentioned it just a second ago. You are a Missouri alum, and you're talking about work getting done. Talk about them being able to get some work done. What is your overall outlook for Missouri for this season? Because, as we know, Lots of new head coaches out there in the SEC. We've seen a lot of moving parts this offseason. We'll get into Gigi Jackson in a minute, but I take a look at all the new-look teams out there in the SEC. I think Florida is the one that's going to have the most success off the bat, but just taking a look at what Missouri has done with Dennis Gates being able to come in there, being able to bring in someone like Isaiah Mosley who put up 20-plus points per game at Missouri State. I think that the future is bright for them. I don't know if they're quite a tournament team, but I think they're going to be very formidable in what I think is going to be a strong SEC. Yeah, agreed with Florida being the best of the new look teams uh, of the six new coaches there. I just think they probably have the, the best group of transfers and Todd Golden has you know gotten an at-large bid before at a school that never did it. Dennis Gates doesn't quite have that track record despite some success at Cleveland State. That said, yeah, I really like the transfer group he brought in. There's multiple ball handlers. There's multiple guys that can really defend. Both Hodge and Gomillion have won Defensive Player of the Year in the Horizon League. I think Nick Honors are a really strong defender on the ball. You've got scores with Mosley and Carter. And, I mean, really, few people in the entire country scored more efficiently on high volume than Mosley did. 50-40-90 guys scored in 20 a game for a top 75 Ken Palm team? Sure. I-, I will take that to lead the charge for my Tigers. I'm with you. I think the NCAA tournament is realistic, but maybe not likely. If we're going like a 50-50 proposition, I bet it's less than that. But I think there's a chance they get there. And just having those expectations again, even the, the optimism of potentially getting there and hearing the name on Selection Sunday, that's enough to really infuse some energy into the fan base, both myself and the masses at Mizzou. And it's not very often that you see a program wind up getting the top two players in terms of the JUCO market coming in as well. Dennis Gates always has been able to do a solid job of being able to bring in those junior college transfers. Shawnee's coming in, I think, is going to be absolutely massive for this team. And speaking of absolutely massive, the fact that Gigi Jackson is going to be going to South Carolina and 
prior to Gigi Jackson going to South Carolina, out of all the new look coaches, I felt like it was going to take the longest for South Carolina to be able to build themselves up because I do take a look at what they want to bring in by the transfer portal. Someone like a Hayden Brown coming in from the Citadel, very good SOCOM player, but a guy that's six foot five trying to play the forward spot in the SEC. I don't necessarily like that out there in an SEC, which they're bigger, faster, stronger out there in football and in basketball. Not too dissimilar there either. I mean, you do bring in Michi Johnson. He's a relatively okay player from Ohio State. But what's your overall outlook for South Carolina? Because I do think that Gigi Jackson winds up being able to help them out a little bit. But I think that maybe the addition of Gigi Jackson is going to shine a little bit more of a light on South Carolina than perhaps they need in season number one under Paris Lamont. And I feel like a lot of people forget that when Paris Lamont took over Chattanooga, it took a few years for him to be able to build things up. And I don't think that it's necessarily going to be a quick fix here with the Gamecocks either. No, not at all. I'm not really a fan of what they did in the transfer portal. I don't really love the scalability of Hayden Brown's game, Brima Diva's game. Benjamin Boston's Verdonk is just a body for Illinois, so I don't expect much contribution for him. They needed help in the paint, so Gigi Jackson does like fill a hole for, for a roster that I thought kind of had a lot of them, unfortunately. Kind of buy what you're saying there, where it's going to bring a lot more of a spotlight on how they do this year, and, and unfortunately, I still think that's probably going to be not very high in the SEC, given what we've seen with some of the other transfer classes that have come in. A lot of the mainstay coaches have really loaded rosters. Uh, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, all those teams are really, really strong at the top. So it's going to be tough for South Carolina to compete immediately. I don't know if it's going to end up being as bad as, say, a Patrick Baldwin Jr. situation, where it's a lottery pick that just flames out in in a really bad set of uh, circumstances and environment. But I don't think it's going to play favorably to his draft stock, and and I don't think it's also going to loft South Carolina too far up the standing. So it, it is going to be an odd year to see how it plays out for them, see if it's more of a individual showcase or if he can actually lift the team up higher than what you and I are expecting. And I think that in terms of Gigi Jackson, the bigger concern is the actual team because I, we have seen guys that have been highly touted. Their teams not necessarily have success and them still got highly drafted as Jim Root is joining me on the podcast. Does a great job over there at the three-man weave in the field of 68 because we do have that track record of someone like a Mark Fultz. Washington was terrible, but he became the number one overall pick. And when taking a look at it, he probably shouldn't have been the number one overall pick, but he was the number one overall pick. Ben Simmons, same for him at LSU. Anthony Edwards, same for him at Georgia. But you mentioned it with Pat Baldwin Jr. His draft stock wound up falling like Enron, Amani Bates. Who knows what's going to be happening there, but not ideal when you wind up going from Memphis and being perhaps the number one overall prospect in your class. You reclassify, and now you're at Eastern Michigan. That's not so great either. We remember what wound up happening with Kira Maker. So I think the fact that he is out there at a power conference, the fact that he's going to be playing out there in the SEC, it's not going to necessarily hurt him for his draft stock. But we've seen a lot of these guys that they wind up getting picked relatively highly. And they wind up doing some things out there in the NBA. But it just is a case of which it doesn't necessarily always lead to team success. And I feel like it could be a situation this year in which a bad play for Gigi Jackson winds up being better than a good play for, say, one of his other players. Yeah, agreed. And you even mentioned it, too, the reclassification, the fact that he's going up here. I mean, I know he is a physically mature kid, but as some of the guys like, you know, you see success stories like Jalen Duran and Marvin Bagley, where it works out, and those guys are, you know, generational-type athletes or, or just dominant with the fact that they are already so developed physically. And from what I've seen and what I've heard about Gigi Jackson, he's closer to that than he is somebody like a... 
Imani Bates or somebody that's just overmatched physically, I think that's where the reclasses really run into trouble. But it is going to be tough for him to produce while also scoring efficiently because of the lack of threats around him and then also just not being able to get put in strong positions. You know, there's not a point guard here that's going to consistently find him for lobs and dish off to him in the dunker spot down on the baseline. Like, there's not going to be a lot of easy buckets for him, and I think that's going to make it difficult. Well, I would be surprised if he's the number one pick. I agree, it probably won't knock him out of the lottery just because it's at least against high-level competition that they're seeing him compete. And I think the big thing when it comes to reclassification, and for that matter, the transfer portal as well, I think that guys that they wind up coming in a little bit late in the process, because that's what Gigi Jack. It's mid to late July in which he wound up deciding to go to South Carolina. I feel like big men, they're a little bit less behind the eight ball than, say, these guards. Like, for example, even someone like a Pete Nance, he wound up making his decision late at North Carolina. There's a little bit of a concern that it might take him a little bit of time to be able to gel with North Carolina, but it's not as high as if, say, Kendrick Davis, who he wound up making his decision relatively early on. Obviously, there's no concerns there for this upcoming season. But if Kendrick Davis were to wait until like mid to late July to decide that he was going to Memphis, for instance, I would have much more of a concern rather than Gigi Jackson wind up reclassifying or someone like, say, a Pete Nance wind up going to North Carolina. I'm not sure if you agree or disagree with this, but that's something that I've really been noticing in recent years. These guards that they wind up making their decisions late, they seem to wind up getting hurt the most by wind up making a last-minute decision. Yeah, their roles are typically a little more complicated, Like especially if you have the ball in your hands and you're trying to engineer the offense and guide it, and you're the one that doesn't know. It's like a quarterback in football. It's probably easier to plug in a lineman than it is a quarterback that's got to tell everybody else where to go. It's got to be the guy that really sets the table for everybody else. For a guard, I think it is trickier. The, the big men, you know, if you can rebound block shots and dunk, you're probably going to succeed at least at a base level. Uh, but some of those other guys, if they're not really in tune with what the offense is trying to do schematically, it probably won't translate as well. And that's why I think you're right. The practice time does mean a little more for the guards, for the guys that are going to have the ball in their hands. And I think that that's going to be interesting to see what happens over there at Ypsilanti as well. Join me on the podcast. We do have Jim Root of the three-man we because, as we know, Imani Bates, he wanted making his decision a few weeks ago that he's going to be going to Eastern Michigan, a guy that was on the cover of Sports Illustrated a guy that prior to him reclassifying and still after reclassifying was pretty much a top five guy in his class. Now he's going to be playing out there in the Mac, and I certainly think that he's going to be able to put up some numbers. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Saneeth is someone that has coached at a power conference level before, but I do take a look at this fit with Imani Bates, and out of all the decisions that he could have made late in the process, I think that this was honestly probably one of the better ones because I don't know if a power conference like even a Louisville that they really, really badly needed a guard in. That's a ball of wax in and of itself. I don't know who's going to be out there in the backcourt for Louisville, so it might be a little bit of a rough year for the pain train out there. But with Imani Bates, I feel like he maybe made the best decision that he could have late in the process, but I felt like he just waited way too long, and that's going to wind up leading to perhaps another relatively rough year for him. And even though Eastern Michigan is probably going to be better than they were a season ago, I still don't necessarily have high expectations for them out there in a Mac that they still have some relatively solid teams like an Akron and a Buffalo. It's tricky because like the best case scenario for Imani Bates is what he scores fairly efficiently for a team that, like you said, probably is not going to be at the top of the league, but he's high usage. And I think there's going to be a lot of, well, we knew he could do this. We saw him do this in AAU, score like crazy for a team that, didn't have a lot of other options, wasn't as good compared to their competition. So he's not really proving anything we don't know about him. So to really probably improve his stock, I would say Louisville would have been the best choice to prove he could be a little more of an off-the-ball guy, 
uh, more of a complimentary, figure out his role and play next to some guys. But it's tricky because there's also a downside. If you flame out at that again, then you're really, really in trouble. So it's probably for him, especially going back home, being more in a comfortable environment, back with family and stuff, that probably helps too. That familiarity should be able to breed some production for him this year. But it is going to be very interesting to see what him and Noah Farrakhan do for those Eastern Michigan Eagles because those two could combine to shoot like more than half of their team shots for the entire season. Yep, I mean, I remember when Oakland wound up having that same style with Kendrick Nunn. That's a little bit of a different conference, but at the same time, I think that that's actually a relatively fair scale. That could be really interesting to take a look at as well. Joining me on the podcast, we do have Jim Root of the three men. We even, hey, we did wind up mentioning Louisville as well, and I do think that it's going to be an interesting year for Payne and company over there because I think that Louisville long-term is going to be relatively solid, but it did feel like they were putting all the chips in the basket of being able to get Amani Bates with the way that they, frankly, recruited no guards out there in the class of 2022. They really didn't go after a lot of guys in the transfer portal as well. And now taking a look at Louisville, they're going to be solid down low, but I just don't know what the path forward is for the team in season number one because with the ACC, got a lot of solid teams. Wake Forest is probably going to take a little bit of a step down with the guys that they wound up losing during the offseason, but Miami is back. Duke, North Carolina, we know what to expect out of them. Virginia is going to once again be solid. Virginia Tech, I still think is going to have a relatively solid year. You're able to go down the line and you've got a lot of relatively solid programs out there in the ACC and not having really anyone to be able to bring up the ball for Louisville, I think is going to be very costly for them. Yeah, I hope L. Ellis is running all sorts of sprints and conditioning exercises because I don't know how he leaves the floor this season. He's the only semi-proven ball handler on that roster. I know I had some people kind of come at me when I, I talked about their guard situation and say that Mike James is a fully capable ball handler or secondary guy. I'm not exactly sold on that. So it is startling to see how, how little they added in the, in the portal because they have the draw of the, the name. I would assume they have some NIL dollars or might behind them. And compared to a lot of those SEC teams we talked about, even LSUs, Florida, Mizzou, those teams that really kind of cleaned up in the portal. Louisville seemed uninterested in that, and it was really surprising because they desperately needed guards. They had minutes to offer for an ACC team that has a lot of history behind it. So it was surprising to see them not do better in that department, and I think it's going to hurt them. Ultimately, it's just going to be a problem to not have creators, ball handlers, guys that are comfortable with the ball in their hands setting teammates up uh, more so than just a lot of play finishers. I think they have plenty of play finishers, but not play creators, and that's going to be a major problem for them. I agree, and we always like to, this time of year, take a look at all the teams that they want making great moves, all these teams that we feel very good about. I'm glad that we got to bring up one team that we're not necessarily so high on, and I, let's continue it. Is there another team or two that you take a look at things, and the fit just doesn't necessarily feel so great about them, or you're just a little bit befuddled as to what they want up doing in the transfer portal as well, because I'll give you my one, and that would be Ole Miss, because Ole Miss has done a very solid job of being able to bring in big men, but they're a team that they really lacked shooting last season. They wind up losing, really, their main guard at Jarkel Joyner, and they wind up replacing him with Javius McKinnis, a big man, Josh Mbala, someone who's six foot seven, really doesn't shoot threes, and Theo Akuba, a six foot eleven, true big man from Louisiana. They really don't bring in any sort of backcourt whatsoever. I mean, once again, an Ole Miss team that's going to play solid defense are going to be good down low, but 
I don't know unless if you wind up playing five forwards at the same time, how things wind up working out there. I'm not sure if there's a team or two that you look at and you just don't know how the parts wind up fitting together, but Ole Miss is certainly by one right now. I'll give two. Michigan State kind of lines up more with the Louisville of like poking them with a stick, like do something. Like why, why didn't you do anything in the portal? I don't get it. They had open scholarships. They had minutes to offer. They're seemingly going to rely really heavily on uh, Jackson Cole, the freshman big man. I'm just shocked that Tom Izzo didn't go out and get somebody that they could compete in the paint for more minutes there. That surprised me a little bit. And then on the higher end of things, just from a fit perspective, Texas is a little bizarre because they're kind of like what you're saying with Ole Miss where shooting was the the hang-up last year, not enough offensive creativity. And they bring in another guard in Tyrese Hunter, who is objectively a good basketball player, but he is much better in his ball pressure, in his defense, the way he gets into you, basically for 94 feet. But he is not a great offensive player, despite the one shooting outburst he had in the NCAA tournament. So putting him next to Marcus Carr, two guys that are seemingly a little bit high usage, but inefficient, I don't know how that fit works next to a a team that lacks wing shooters that are going to spread the floor and even shooters in the front court that can invert the floor and pull out big so that that's another one the talent is all there for texas they they're oozing talent but i just don't know how it fits and how it all comes together over the course of the year for uh for a coach that hasn't had a lot of great offenses lately those are the two i would offer up yep and i still feel like marcus Carr going to texas was a detriment to marcus Carr. i felt like it was a detriment to texas as well because he's just such a ball dominant guy that it didn't wind up fitting with what we wound up seeing with the rest of the pieces that came into that program now season number two i do think is going to go a little bit better than season number one just because i mean you do have a full season under your belt but at the same time i do agree i've got my question marks there but i never have my question marks with you jim because i know that every time you join this podcast you're going to be able to deliver some great insights and you did so once again i know you're doing a great job holding it down over there with the three-man weave and the field of 68 so love to get people at home know what's all on that for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms a pretty quiet time for us right now we are a twitter handle for the group is at 3mw underscore cbb you're hard at work on previews behind the scenes so those will be coming out in a different fashion than they have in the past so keep an eye out for that announcement but we are going to do a top 40 countdown on twitter starting on monday august 1st we will go down from 40 to 1 daily, one team a day. Tweet out the team, some of the strengths, the weaknesses, concerns, things we like about them, things we don't like. So that will be running daily bit from August 1st to whenever 40 days from that is. So keep an eye out for that. That'll be uh, the big thing we're working on coming up soon. If I did the math correctly, that'll run through September 9th, though. I will say this is math on the on the spot, and I did not wind up going to college to do anything involved in math. So be <laughs> alert of that but what i am always alert of is the fact that jim does a great job being able to take a look at the game that we love of college basketball all 12 months out of the year and it is always great to get him aboard on this podcast big thanks to jim for joining me right here on cuss cuss now part of the visa family of podcast and if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast cuss cuss you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast apple podcast google play spotify stitcher and tune in if you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And 
with everything that is coming about this offseason. Going to be doing lots of conference previews within the next few weeks. Going to be continuing on that front a little bit slower this week with doing the look ahead. So that winds up adding a little bit to the recording plate for me. But with that said, we've got a lot of the M's that are going to be coming up next. Since I wind up going in alphabetical order, the Metro Atlantic, the MAC, Missouri Valley, these conferences are soon on deck. And hopefully we'll be talking to you guys every single day as we've got a new podcast with news and notes of college basketball and these previews every single day during the offseason. Then once we get in-season picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I'll chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.